Good morning. Welcome to worship at Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church. You'll notice the blue pyramids in the Advent wreath up front. Um, this is the season of Advent, the beginning of our church year. In these four weeks of Advent, we think and we think back and we remember how God foretold the coming Messiah and how the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ, comes to us today. And we look ahead to his coming at the end of time. We'll consider that ever so briefly in our sermon today. The service begins with our Advent gathering rite as laid out for you in your service folder. We'll begin with that. Please rise.
pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come. Protect us by your strength and save us from the threatening dangers of our sins. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated for the reading of God's Word. Our first reading from Genesis chapter 6. Noah preached repent and believe for the 120 years leading up to the flood. This is what happened when mankind began to multiply on the face of the earth. When daughters were born to people, the sons of God, so that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took as wives for themselves any of them they chose. The Lord said, My spirit will not struggle with man forever, because he is only flesh. His days will be 120 years. The Lord saw that the wickedness of mankind was great on the earth, and that all the thoughts and plans they formed in their hearts were only evil every day. The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with sorrow. The Lord said, I will wipe out mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, along with the animals, the creeping things, and the birds of the sky, because I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the account about the development of Noah's family. Noah was a righteous man, a man of integrity in that generation. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. In the sight of God, the earth was morally corrupt, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked at the earth and saw that it was corrupt, for all flesh was corrupt in all their ways on the earth. So God said to Noah, I have decreed the end of all flesh, because the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now, I am going to destroy them along with the earth. Make an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, seal it inside and outside with pitch. I myself am about to bring a flood of waters on the earth in order to destroy all flesh under the sky that has the breath of life in it. Everything that is on the earth will die, but I will establish my covenant with you. You shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. You shall bring a pair, male and female, of every kind of living flesh into the ark with you to keep them alive. Include the birds according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, every creeping thing on the ground according to their kinds. Two of every sort shall come to you, so that you can keep them alive. Take with you every type of food that is eaten, and store it for yourself, so that it can be used as food for you and for them. So that is what he did. He did everything that God commanded him, just as he had been told. This is the word of our God. I direct you to our psalm for today, Psalm 24, as found on page 73.
our second reading from 1 Peter chapter 3. We see here that the waters of baptism provide an escape from the coming judgment. Peter writes, Christ also suffered once for sins in our place, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in flesh, but was made alive in spirit, in which he also went and made an announcement to the spirits in prison. These spirits disobeyed long ago, when God's patience was waiting in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built. In this ark a few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. And corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the guarantee of a good conscience before God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He went to heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. This is the word of our God. Our choir is invited for their hands.
Dear fellow redeemed, we consider our reading from 1 Peter chapter 3. Among the various temptations that the devil has in his bag of tricks, some are easy to spot and almost boring to the point of recognition. I recognize what you're trying to do here. I recognize the danger, the temptation, and obviously, obviously, I don't want to do whatever it is Satan is tempting me to do. But then the temptations start to get more subtle. Usually variations on the theme that he had at the garden tree. Did God really say? Did God really say? And if he did, then God must not love you, or care about you, or remember you. And the subtlest twist of all on that is the twist that says what you are dealing with today, whether you personally, you as a congregation, you as a church body, you as Christians living in this world, the subtlest temptation of all is the temptation that says what you are dealing with is totally new and totally foreign to God. And God probably can't handle it. You need to do something about it yourself. With that in mind, we begin a new church here. The calendar flips to the liturgical January when we adorn the church in blue, the season of Advent. Advent, of course, meaning a coming. And during the season of Advent, we we remember Christ's first coming, how his Old Testament people had waited and waited and waited. We remember his coming today in word and sacrament, and we look forward to his coming at the end of time. You see, all three of those comings referred to in our readings today. God says to Noah, Noah, you've got 120 years. Noah lived to be, well, over 600. And God said, your pastoral career will be 120 years, and there's a world for you to convert. And so he went about preaching exactly as God's people have preached throughout time. Repent and believe. The end is coming. He had an actual date. Marking down 120 years, 119 years, 118 years. For generation upon generation, he preached. The warning was there. And one day, one day the water came. Now when we look at, when we look at the flood, it's very easy to get caught up in the, the animals and the ark. And to miss the spiritual truth that Jesus is really drawing out for us, and that Peter refers to, and that God gave Noah to do. The warnings. Repent and believe. The end is coming. And for them, the end did come. When the waters came crashing down, and Noah's 120 years of preaching had resulted in retaining the family that he had. Jesus speaks. No one knows about that day. It'll be like it'll be like a man going away, the owner of the house going away and entrusting to his servants the household tasks and duties. And then he will return. But you don't know when. And during that time before and leading up to his crucifixion, Jesus, the Son of God and Son of Man, chose to not know when the end would be. So he's very truthful there when he says, No one knows that day, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And what he said to Noah, he says to us, Keep watch. The end will be coming. He hasn't given us a date, but all he has said is keep watch. And right there, right there, the subtlest temptation of Satan sneaks in. But dear Christian, you're dealing with something totally different and totally unknown throughout the history of the world. And surely, 
Surely your God cannot handle that. And if he can, well, time out for a second. Look at, look at Noah. He had 120 years. And he didn't really get any converts, at least any that lived until the day the ark was closed. And the temptation, the accusation. Christian, take it easy. Look somewhere else. Your God will not come. Your God is not faithful. Your God cannot act. The temptation. Your God is far off. Right there. The heart of it. That God is so far away that he has nearly forgotten. That he's hit the snooze alarm on judgment day. And that the end that he has promised, if it comes at all, it's not going to come during my lifetime. I can hit the snooze alarm as well. It doesn't matter. The temptation starts to bear fruit in the visible Christian church. We look at the statistics. Apparently, um, this was the topic of our Wells Connection from November. We'll probably have that next week in our Bible class. How churches in the Western Hemisphere, Christian churches, at least Christian in name, churches in the Western Hemisphere are losing numbers and losing membership. And the temptation of the devil, the subtlest temptation of all, that says, Dear Christian, can your God really do what he says he's going to do? And will your God really come? And, dear Christian, your God is so far off that your trust is misplaced. Ah. You can almost point it out, draw the picture. You've got the temptation of Satan right there, just as clearly as though he were the snake wound around our advent wreath. And so we come, and we worship. And we sing, Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And today, the first Sunday in Advent, we heed Jesus' warning. Keep watch. Keep watch. No one knows the day or the hour, even though it's coming up on the, the two-millennium anniversary of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Keep watch. Because no one knows that day or hour. So I ask you, if Jesus were to descend from the heavens on the clouds with trumpets and angels this afternoon, this afternoon, what regrets might linger in your heart? Perhaps for yourself. I'm going to be face to face with holy God, before whom all flesh must tremble. The thought of a person standing in front of God. That's terrifying. Expand it further. What regrets? an uncomfortable thought, but Peter directs us to look. Who who is left forgotten? Which people that we know and have worshipped with here have left an empty seat that has remained vacant for some time? Jesus says, watch and be ready. And obviously, each of us looks to ourselves first, like, like the parent on the airplane when the oxygen masks drop down. Make sure that you yourself are getting the air before you assist the little child in the seat next to you. But as people who have gathered to watch and prepare and wait and sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, are we ready? And are those we love ready? Because, because when Jesus says prepare and keep watch, he doesn't say it. Here's the kicker. He doesn't say it as some, some far off God who has forgotten his people, who has hit the snooze alarm on judgment day and is so long in delaying his coming. He says it as the God who kept his promise in the past. He came to, to Noah and 
the Old Testament church with the waters of the flood. Peter kind of describes that for us. While God's patience was waiting in the days of Noah, the ark was being built. In this ark, a few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Time out. I thought they were saved by the ark. Because the water destroyed everything. And they were saved by the ark. They were in the boat, and everybody else and everything else was outside, right? But that's not what he says. They were saved by water. And so the heart and core of what we see here is that for you and me as as Christians, as people who know our Lord, as people who proclaim the gospel and worship the Lord Jesus, that day, we know that that day will be a day of judgment, but for us a day of redemption. We know that the waters of the flood were, were as much to destroy that sinful world as they were to save the church, God's people. And so when, when Peter says that they were saved by the waters of the flood, he means that they were saved from the sinful world around them. He saved his people from being totally extinguished and trampled down by the life, of the life in a difficult and sinful world, the sort of life where the accusers would say, well, you Christian, you're doing that fairy tale stuff. You Noah, God will never come. I know you said it's only five years away. I dare him. And in the waters of the flood, God saved his people from losing their faith. And in the waters of baptism, that's the corresponding point. God has saved you also. See, there was... There's the warning. And there's the water. There's the warning for us today. Watch and prepare and be ready. And there is the water. The water of your salvation. Where your sinful flesh was drowned. Where you were washed clean to stand before God in righteousness and holiness forever. And this water of baptism, prefigured in the waters of the flood has brought you into the ark. I mentioned that in our, um, our preview podcast episode this past Friday, that especially in like the 60s and 70s, if you go into a, a church built in the 60s and 70s and you look up at the ceiling and it looks like you're looking at the underside of a boat, like the, the hull from the inside or whatever the terminology is. Because one of the terms applied to God's church, that is God's Christians, is that the church is the ark. That we who have been baptized into the church are saved through the waters of baptism and we gather together in God's ark to worship him and to one day be buoyed up. It's upside down, right? To be buoyed up to heaven through that water of Christ's resurrection. Look at the way he describes it. That subtlest, subtlest lie of all, that your God is so far off, he does not care, he cannot remember, and he is absolutely impotent to do anything good on your behalf today. That is totally crushed. Jesus was put to death in the flesh, that is, in a a humble state, hiding the fact that he was the Son of God, as his body was placed in the tomb. And he was made alive in spirit, in a glorious, glorious, glorified, exalted state. And the very first thing that he does, after opening his eyes and the color returning to his cheeks and the blood circulating through his veins again, the very first thing that, thing that he does is he descends into hell. And he descends into hell, yeah, to kick the devil's teeth in. He descends into hell to announce to the people who had mocked Noah for 120 years the truth of the gospel, which to them would be the most hateful and terrible news they had ever heard. That Noah was right. That Noah's faith in the coming Messiah had not been misplaced. And that Jesus had won. Sin was forgiven. Yours, mine, Noah's. And that forgiveness is given to you completely in the waters of baptism. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead, you could look at that 
as God's absolute guarantee that every promise he had made to that point had been fulfilled. And therefore, since he had done the impossible, he, the Son of God himself, had, been, had died. God died and laid in the tomb. He did the impossible, and then he rose from the dead. Again, doing the impossible to tell you that your trust is absolutely not misplaced. And when he makes the connection to baptism, he says to you and to me that the God who, who forecast his coming at the time of the flood, the God who forecast his coming at Christmas time, the God who had said that we ought to prepare and watch and wait for his coming at the end of time, this God is not, absolutely not, a far off God. And that kind of brings us to the fourth segment of our theme. When, when people look at statistics, especially church statistics, you always take it with a grain of salt. But when a popular money, you know, financial website makes a claim based on expenditures, and then you can sit up and take notice. About two months ago, a website, uh, Market Trend or Money Trend or one of those, had a, had a column about millennials. Like or love the term or not, it kind of fits for this general mass of young people who are looking and wondering and dealing with the question of God seeming to be so far off. And what this website brought out wasn't just some demographic survey, but based on actual money being spent, that in 2016, within the United States, $2 billion, $2 billion out of our economy were spent on items related to the occult, whether astrology, or one of the most popular astrology apps in the App Store, and cards, and jewels, and little medicine bags, and every sort of craving for spirituality being fulfilled by a market that is all too ready to try and fulfill it. All too ready to answer, you have some power, and you, you have this access to a spiritual reality. As people who gather together in the ark, who have been brought here through the waters of baptism, who know the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and who are looking forward to the end of time, we can't ignore the fact that in this country, the vacuum that is vapid American Christianity is being quickly filled by an eager devil who still wants to lie and delude this world. And I would say... In answer to that, we have a God who has come near, and he is still with us in work, and he washes and comes to make his home in the sacrament of baptism. And to people who are craving contact with God and wondering, is my, is my life written in the stars, and can I find some sort of meaning in the cards or in the crystals and the jewels and the medicine bag? To people who do all this palm reading and you name it, there's a market for it. You have the answer. You know that the subtlest deception of the devil is that God is far off. And the absolute truth that we have is that God has come near and does come near and will return. He has come near when he was born at Christmas time. He does continue to come near and taste and touch. In the sacrament of Holy, Holy Communion, God himself gives you his, his body and blood shed on the cross. He gives it to you for the forgiveness of your sins. A God who has, who has come near and who promises to you, even though he hasn't given us a, an exact timeline, just the generic command to keep watch and be prepared, he comes and he says, Dear Christian, this is how you are prepared for my final coming 
his third advent by receiving him at his second advent, his coming in word and sacrament. The deception of the devil lies broken by the promises of God fulfilled and the promises of God reiterated that Jesus came, that your sin has been forgiven, that Christ has been raised, you have been baptized into his his life and his resurrection. He gives you himself in body and blood. And this same Jesus, who paraded through the streets of hell, who broke the lies of the devil and crushed every occultic fantasy, this Jesus will come. So let's watch. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I direct you to the Create in Me as found on page 20 in the front part of your red hymnal.
We continue on page 21. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, whose way John the Baptist prepared when he called people to repentance and pointed to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Now may this true body and blood of our Savior strengthen and preserve you in the true faith until the life everlasting. Depart at peace with God, prepared for his coming. Amen.
true body and blood of our Savior, strengthen and preserve you in the true faith until life everlasting. Be part of peace of God, sins forgiven. Amen.
morning once again. Um, just a couple of brief announcements. Most of them are included in the bulletin insert about upcoming events. Um, I encourage you to take that home uh, for yourself. Um, one that isn't in there is the MLC Christmas concert is today at 4 p.m. And um, there's also a free will offering for those who would like to contribute for the children's Christmas treats. Um, doing something a little bit different this year from the Christmas bags that we did last year. Um, if you have any questions, ask Dan. God bless your week. One other thing. Oh, yes. Dan Blitham was supposed to meet today with all the stuff that's going on the next Sunday immediately after church. If you want to talk to me, I'll give you a kind of a worksheet that I've done by that Jerusalem, the Thanks for listening to Green Pastures with Jesus, the audio home of Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church of Fairmont, Minnesota. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our website, www.shepherdofthelakes.net. Pass that along to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archives section at our website for previous podcasts. You can find us 9.30 a.m. Sunday mornings at 323 East 1st Street in Fairmont, just up the hill from Richard's Towing. Any questions, contact me, Pastor Hagen, 507-236-9572. God bless your day. What bliss beyond compare?